When it comes to counseling, we tend to think that that's a job left for the professionals. So we'll see today from God's Word, if you're a Christian, you're a professional when it comes to counseling, at least from God's perspective. Join us. Graceful Truth is next. From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. We're continuing our series, Wisdom for Living, taken from the book of Proverbs. Now today, we're focusing on the counseling side of our lives as Christians. You know, as Christians, we are called to be counselors, and we are equipped through the Spirit of God and through His Word. So what is it meant to be a counselor? What is counseling all about? Well, please join us as we take the time today to find out what kind of people miss the benefits of counseling and the counselor who is always available. It's part of our ongoing series, again called Wisdom for Living. Here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Thirdly, not only confidentiality, but timing and tact. And there's some verses listed there, Proverbs 15, 22 and 23. It says, without counsel, plans go awry, but the multitude of counselors, they are established. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? See, one needing counsel needs another to whom he can pour out his heart. And when he's done pouring out his heart, sometimes that counselor's response is critical. An aching person is not helped when everything the counselor knows and feels just is suddenly dumped on him. Okay, that's your issue. Okay, here's what you need to dump it on. That doesn't help. Early in counseling ministry, the people helper needs to learn both when and how to speak, and frankly, when not to say anything. Because ill-timed and ill-spoken words can create such an offense that the person can be hard to win back to that position where they can actually be helped. So you want to be tactful. You want to use your timing correctly. Fourthly, good listenership. Good listenership. 18.13 says this, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. How many of us have done that? Maybe we haven't done it physically. I actually have done that. I do that a lot. You know, somebody's talking. Oh, yeah, and I finish the sentence for them. I'm in too impatient to sit there and try to listen to them get it out. It's not right, but sometimes that happens. Or sometimes you do it in your mind. You know, yeah, yeah, I know where this is going. You know, and you're not even hearing what they're saying because you already know what they're going to say. Well, that's not good listenership. The art of listening has been lost in our day to day. Think about it. Everywhere you go. What do people have in their ears? Earbuds, right? I mean, you can't communicate with people anymore. Sometimes we need to stop and, and, and listen. Have you ever just gone to a place where it's just quiet? Just quiet. Sometimes I take my motorcycle go over to Half Moon Bay and I go up on this one out there by Princeton. There's a uh, kind of a cliff. Landowner put some benches there and stuff and you can sit there. And you know, a couple times I take my iPod and I'm sitting there jamming out to whatever, you know. And I thought, this is kind of silly. So I took it off one day and I just sat there. And all I could hear was the wind blowing and the surf coming in. I mean, it was great. I didn't hear anything. Occasional plane that would fly over from the airport. But for the most part, it was so good just to stop. See, and listening is not only a matter of the ears. Effective listening should also involve the eyes. Some people are better than that than others. I don't like eye contact. You know, somebody's staring at me. I'm thinking, what's up with this person? You know, and I'm just shy. So when I'm talking to you, I'm, you know, same thing. I'm leading worship. You know, I'm not looking at you. I mean, you could all leave and I'd still be up there playing the piano. I mean, that's how detached I am. That's probably not good in worship 101 
but I don't want to be a distraction. And if I feel uncomfortable, and I know you're all looking at me, I'm, I'm going to feel very uncomfortable. I'm not going to be able to do anything. So I just kind of go in this little zone, and I'm in a little bubble all by myself. That's the worship team. They know, yeah, you're by yourself, all right. Sometimes you go places we don't know where you're going. But good eye contact really confirms that the ears are doing a job, right? When, when someone, when you're in an interview, what do they tell you? Look them in the eye, right? Now, I mean, you can, you can go overboard with that. I mean, it's not, you're not staring somebody down. That's not the purpose of it. I mean, that would just kind of be unnerving. But it's important to understand that a person, we need to have eye contact because you can kind of almost see into a person's soul almost when you look in their eyes. So good listenership. A skilled counselor has to be able to lock himself into the person he's with and abolish all other thoughts so he can really look at this hurting person, whatever they're dealing with, and it may not be a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to them if they're there to talk to you. Like I said, we're not talking about professional counselors. This may be somebody at work that comes up to you and say, hey, you know, yeah, I'm having issues with my family or whatever. Why are they coming to you? You know, they're, they're coming to you for a reason. They see something in your life that they're trying to tap into. Hopefully, that's Christ. Hopefully, that's your credibility. Hopefully, that's your faithfulness at your job. Everything they see in you, they're, they're coming to you because they're having issues. And so depending on how you counsel them, how you communicate with them, make sure you listen to them. Fifthly, objectivity and discernment. Proverbs 18, 17, it says, The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. See, the counselor must learn to probe his subject's heart with more than just questions that prompt curiosity. Uh, he must really discover the use of questions which search the different kinds of implications that are involved in the situation. And that takes objectivity and it takes discernment to know how to ask these questions, what to say, how to say it. I was talking to someone the other day that was dealing with a uh, relationship between, we'll just call it a, a, a boss and a worker. And the person who was talking to me was the worker, and they said, yeah, you know, my, my boss, he's just, you know, he doesn't, he just goes off in one direction, and then he expects me to do whatever for, you know, follow up with it, and I don't even know what direction he's going in. And he's always, you know, we had a meeting one time, and, and he said in the meeting, we, we uh, were sitting around, and, you know, we're trying to get the people engaged, and he answered all the questions that I asked, didn't anybody else say, I said, well, your, your boss is insecure. It's an insecure person. He wants to be affirmed. So how do you build a relationship with somebody who's insecure, who always thinks you're out to get them? Well, you have to take time. It takes objectivity. It takes discernment. You have to, in a weird way, make them feel needed. Go to them for advice. Don't be giving them advice. They're not going to take that very well. Go to them for advice. Get to know them outside of the job if you can then you can use that objectivity and that discernment to better your relationship with them. And then understanding. Understanding. A good counselor definitely needs to be understanding. Would you not agree? In, in, in 25 it says, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will what? What's it say? Draw it out. See, sometimes, you know, you, you talk to people and you're like, I'm not equipped to deal with this person. You know, that's where you got to stop and you say, God, you know what? This isn't about me. This is about you hooking me up with this person in this situation. And here I am, you know, faced with a situation. I don't know how to deal with their, their issues, but God, give me understanding so that I can address them in a biblical way. Um, and, and we need to have that kind of an understanding heart. Um, we have to have a willingness to be involved in his or her life. We may not accept what they've been involved in or what they've done, 
But we have to accept them as a person. And if they're coming to you as a person, I mean, they're one of God's creatures. And we need to remember that. And it's understanding that draws them into that relationship so that you can hopefully deal with whatever issues they're dealing with. Next one, honesty. Obvious. Nothing sets the heart free like the truth. We saw that in John. But in 24, 24 to 26 of Proverbs, it says, He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse. Nations will abhor him. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon him. He who gives a right answer kisses the lips. See, when you are telling somebody something, tell them the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts, right? Sometimes the truth is hard to take. That's why you need objectivity and you need discernment. You need good listening skills and you need all these other things, understanding. But you have to be honest with somebody. Truth on the counselor's part provides an atmosphere of really freedom so the, the person being counseled can deal openly with the problem. Sometimes truth requires what? Rebuke, right? When this is presented properly, it's going to really bear out long-term results in their lives. But if you just go about it hastily and you just throw a rebuke out there to somebody, that's not going to be received. So we need to be honest with people. If people have issues and they come to you, you know, don't mealy mouse around the problem. Deal with the problem. Be honest. And then a genuine interest in love. That's kind of obvious. We need that not only in counseling, but just in general in the body of Christ, right? You see how a lot of these are intertwined into what the body of Christ is, right? What are we called to do? We're called to bear one another burdens. We're, we're called to come together and forgive and, 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 and deal with each other and confess our sins to one another. We're, we're called to do all this, to love and have fellowship with each other. We have to have that genuine interest in that genuine love. In 27.9 it says, Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Oil and perfume, perfume make the heart glad. That word friend there means exciting or exceed, <laughs> exciting, exceedingly close companion. See, there, there's a need when we're counseling somebody, we're not just there for the, you know, okay, you got a problem, okay, let's deal with the problem, then you're out of my life. That, that's not what a counselor would do, a biblical counselor. You know, you want to establish a relationship with that person. It's really a, a way of discipleship. You're showing a sincere interest in that person. And there should be some appropriate and God-honoring involvement. But not to the point where you're losing your objectivity with the person, obviously. If they've got issues, you need to deal with those issues. And then the fourth thing here in the outline, what kinds of people miss the benefit of counseling? See, there's some people that are great to be counselors, but you know what? There's some people that would never, never even entertain that. Uh, there's some people that will miss the benefit of counseling. The failure may not be with the counselor, but instead it may be with the one seeking counsel. I remember when we went for premarital counseling down at Las Gadas Christian in Beacon and I, and you know, here I've been in ministry for several years and gone through classes and done all this stuff and never been married, but I knew it all. So we went in there and you know, we're into the, like the, the, the you know, second week and I'm thinking, how long is this thing to myself? You know, 12 weeks? Well, I don't know about this, you know. Well, what turned out to be, was supposed to be 12 weeks, I don't know, it turned into 18 or whatever. 
issues, you know, we had issues, <laughs> I had issues. But I remember even the second meeting, sitting there going, okay, what's this guy going to tell me? He's not even a pastor. This guy's like, you know, he's on a second marriage. And I just remember judging these people, just severely in my heart. I never even told my wife. I just, you know, because I know what her reaction would have been to that. So I just, you know, I just kind of plugged my ears and said, yeah, 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 yada, yada, yada. You know, and by the third or fourth meeting, you know, the, the guy said, you know, I don't think we need to continue this. We're not going to recommend you two of you get married. I'm like, what? That just blew me away. Like, I'm thinking, I'm just, you know, here to go through this walk in the park with these people and just say, I got the marital, premarital counseling. Now, you know, I can go through with the marriage kind of a deal. And they had some very legitimate concerns. And they fell mainly on me. <laughs> and so I had some things to deal with. And uh, you can ask my wife if I dealt with him or not. But we did go through the counseling. We did complete it, even though it was a prolonged period of time. But it was helpful. It was very helpful. We learned a lot about each other. learned about, a lot about myself. Um, I'll never forget that one time I was talking to my brother Paul on the phone. And before I hung up the phone, this is when I was probably, uh, you know, years ago. And... Uh, before he hung up the phone, he goes, okay, well, we'll see you later. And I said, yeah, and he, he just got into ministry and he had his church and everything. He goes, okay, well, I love you, Steve. Just pause, nothing, didn't say anything. He's like, hey, are you there? I'm like, yeah, I'm here. And he goes, what? I love you. Okay. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? <laughs> you know, that's how I was, truly. That's how far gone I was. And he's like, you can't say it, can you? I go, I can't say what? Because you, you can't say that back to me, can you? I'm like, well, yeah, I could. You know I do. I mean, come on. What are you, what are you playing this game with me? He's, no, he's, I learned something in the class I went. You know, and he started all this, you know, counseling stuff with me. Started telling me all this stuff. And he goes, you know, the way we were raised in our family, I mean, we're a very loving family, but we never showed it. We showed it in weird ways, <laughs> okay? And... You need to learn to say you love you. I, I love you. And I can't believe how hard that was. Just to mouth those words to my brother. I have no issues with my brother. You know, love him dearly. But to actually say those words, there was something in me just like, oh, why do I have to say this? Why are you making me say this? Back to the, you're making me do something. Fine, I love you too. Okay, bye, click. I mean, that's how it ended. But you know what? He planted a seed in my mind and I started thinking, why, is, why am I that way? Why don't I like to get close to people? Why don't I like to hug people? Why don't I, why don't I like to, you know, to further relationships with people? Because there was something blocking all that. See, and I was one of these people that could not benefit from counsel. I just shut down. And those are listed there. First of all, those who forsake the truth. Those who forsake the truth. Time's sake, you can look these verses up on your own. You're going to miss the benefit of counseling if you're not willing to deal with the truth. That's what I was dealing with. I was unable to deal with the truth he was giving to me. Now I tell everybody I love him when I hang up the phone. Seriously. I mean, I, I remember one time I was talking. I don't even know who I was talking to on the phone. Wasn't somebody from the church, huh? Yeah, it was Anita, some friends that we have down in the, uh, the desert. I think we're living down there, right? Or yeah, we were. We're up here. And we're ending the conversation. 
I mean, this is a married woman, you know, that I'm talking to, close friends, you know, we love their kids and everything. And I'm like, okay, well, all right, we'll love you, Nita. I'm like, why did I say that? I'm turning red, and, and she's like, okay, and she just hung up. I told Ambika, I'm like, why did I, I don't know. So, I mean, you got to kind of put things in a box, you know, you can't be telling everybody you love them, because then it loses its meaning. But it, was, it just kind of came out. But see, if we're not willing to face the truth in our own life, if we, don't have, if we have issues and we're not willing to face them, we're not going to benefit from anybody's counsel. We have to not forsake the truth concerning us. Secondly, those who don't benefit for counsel are those who want to only talk. You go into counsel and you pay the guy and you, you know, I'm there to talk. I don't want to hear you. I have issues in my life and I'm here to voice them to you. You're the person that's supposed to sit there and uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. And then I pay my bill and I leave. And I feel better. Haven't dealt with anything. But see, there's certain people that all they want to do is talk. And the people, a lot of times, all they want to talk about is their problems. And it's, it goes in this circle. It's in a circle. And it, they just keep on talking about them. They don't want to hear what you have to say. They just want somebody to hear about their problems. They only want to talk. Well, they're not going to get better. They're not going to get any help at all. Sometimes you have to stop. And you have to say, okay, I understand your problem. Do you want to know what the Bible says about it? Because if you do, I'll show you. If you don't want to know, okay, I'll pray for you. See you later. But I'm not going to sit here for another hour and listen to you go on and on and on about your problem. I already know what it is. Thirdly, those who are angry and do not want to change. That was me. I was angry. And you can go into all the psychobabble reasons why I may have been angry. I don't know. I felt I was raised in a great home. And my brother tells me one day, well, you don't think that losing your mom at three, having your mom die when you were three, and your dad die when you were seven, and one of your most favorite brothers that you really loved, and we're going to go live with him in Germany, die when you were 14. You don't think that affected you? No, it didn't affect me. But I was angry. I didn't even know why I was angry. I still get angry sometimes, and I don't know why. Ask the elders. They know. They've seen it. <laughs> Ask my wife. But see, the key is they're angry and they don't want to change. You can't help somebody like that. They're going to miss the benefit of counseling. And, and there comes a point where you say, you know what, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to tell you. I'll pray for you. Those who despise the truth, it's a little different than forsaking the truth. Those who forsake the truth, who presented the truth, and, you know, they just don't want it. Despising the truth, they hear the truth and they hate the truth. Remember, as a youth pastor, I talked to a husband one time. He was trying to tell me it was God's will that he divorces wife and marry a secretary. I said, I'm sorry. That, that is not God's will. Well, what do you mean? I love her. <laughs> Unlove her. I don't know what to tell you, but I can tell you that it's not God's will. What you're doing is wrong. And showed him scripture. One listen. One listen. And despise the truth. Those who cover up or defend their inappropriate behavior or hostility, stuff like that, you know, they, they want to just defend everything. Constantly defending. Well, yeah, I did this, but... Or those who simply give no response. You ever talk to somebody like that? You're talking to them and it's like, is anybody home? No response. Just flatline. Boom. Nothing. See, those kind of characteristics, they're not going to benefit from anybody's counsel. They're just not. And we need to be wise and we need to practice discernment when it comes to dealing with people like that. That we don't waste all our resources in, in an area that it's not going to benefit them at all. And that's where only God can give you that that ability to understand. Well, I want to share with you this morning in closing that there is a counselor, counselor who is always, always available, right? He's always available. In Isaiah 9, 6, it tells us, the prophet Isaiah foretold the coming of Christ and it included in his description the name, Wonderful Counselor. Um, 
Today, his words of counsel are conveyed through the printed word of God and through the encouragement of the Holy Spirit and through other believers. But you know what? There is something about the piercing and penetrating truth of the word of God that man can't resist. Anytime, day or night, the door to this counselor's office is always open. And to enter his counseling chamber, chamber basically is simply to open up the, the, the pages of the Word of God and allow his words to address the needs in your heart. That should be your first stop. Sometimes that's not your only stop. Sometimes there's other professional needs you may have that need a professional counselor, biblical counselor. But I think too many times we're too quick to run to people and tell them all our problems because we just want to be heard or we just want people to know what our problems are. Sometimes we just need to go to God and we just need to ask God, you know what, God, direct my heart. Give me wisdom in this area. Perhaps you never thought yourself a counselor. I trust our study through this morning, through the book of Proverbs, has helped you to develop maybe a new concept in your mind. That as a believer, you are a counselor. And I trust that you would give out God's word because it's, it's the only counselor that will, with a promise of not returning, a void. So when you counsel people, when you talk to people, when you discuss people's issues, whatever it may be, look to God for wisdom and then look to how to apply his word to the issue. And we trust that God will do that this morning. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, we know that we're not professional counselors here, as some may be here, the trained and things like that. But I know that I'm not a professional counselor. I would never claim to be that. But Lord, I do know that your word is sufficient for us to provide people with counsel. And Lord, we, we do thank you for those among us who have been trained professionally and do have the insight um, maybe a lot more than we do um, but Lord your word uh, clearly tells us that you created us you know us better than anyone and so Lord we pray this morning that you would move and work in our hearts that Lord when we're giving out advice or counsel Lord may it be from you not just our opinion may we be able to go to your word and give counsel and um, advice from your word that we know will work effectively in a person's life. And so, Father, we thank you for this morning. Pray this in Jesus' precious name. All God's people say, amen. Well, it's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come out and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children through grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth Program, give us a call at the Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. 650-366-9923, or visit our website, gracefultruth.org. And now, to close out our time together with a look at our fall schedule, once again, here's Pastor Steve Converse. Thanks, Andy. I want to share some exciting information with our listening audience concerning our fall schedule here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. First up, we'll be having our fall Israel and Bible Prophecy Conference featuring Bible teacher Dr. David Hawking on November 18th, 19th, and 20th. It will all kick off on Friday, November 18th at 7 p.m. with concert pianist David Talbot leading us in some wonderful hymns here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. The conference is free, so we hope to see you here the weekend right before Thanksgiving. Second on our fall schedule will be a real blessing to our ladies here in the Bay Area. Ladies, we have a real Christmas treat for you coming up on Saturday, December 3rd here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. 
we will be hosting a woman's Christmas tea with speaker and author Elise Fitzpatrick. Elise will be teaching from her book, Because He Loves Me, How Christ Transforms Our Daily Life. The tea will be held on Saturday, December 3rd, with seating for the tea beginning at 11 a.m. Our program will begin promptly at 11.30 and will conclude at 2.30 p.m. here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. Cost of registration will be $20 and registration will be required in advance. Ladies, you know firsthand how hectic your world can become just prior to the Christmas season. We want to give you the opportunity to break away from your daily routine for just one Saturday afternoon and come together for some great fellowship, worship, and teaching that's based on God's Word. Why not plan on being here Saturday, December 3rd from 11 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. for a wonderful time of fellowship, worship, and teaching from Elise Fitzpatrick. I'm sure you'll enjoy the time together and walk away with a renewed sense of purpose and commitment to Christ. All the registration information can be found on our church website at gracebibleonline.org. Once again, that's gracebibleonline.org. There will be a registration form available online. You simply download it, fill it out, mail it in with your registration to the address given, or you can simply call us here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City, 650-366-9923. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening to Graceful Truth each weekend, and it'd be a wonderful encouragement to us to hear from you about how this program has been a blessing to your hearts. Thank you, Steve. And again, friend, we'd love to hear from you. So call us today, 650-366-9923, or write to us, 2225 Euclid Avenue, Redwood City, 94061 is our zip code. Until next time, God bless. God bless.